0: It's been interesting doing the 40 days of prayer, how much they line up with some of the studies and things that's going on. And then it's also neat to see how, if you think about it, not only are we praying here in cooler Minnesota, but all around the world, you know, and and we're connected to the bigger church family. And so that's a, a neat thing that comes about. And so... Um, And Jenny, that wasn't you with the mic. We have a a sound crew back there helping us out, and I told him I'd get him back because he didn't want to preach for me. So Pete, thank you for helping us out today, and so there may be some adjustments to sound. It can't make me look any better, but at least uh, maybe I'll sound better, so that's good. Why are some of you laughing? All right, so we are continuing on in our study of Ecclesiastes. All right, anyone remember who wrote Ecclesiastes? Ecclesiastes. Solomon. Solomon. Good old Solomon. What time in his life did he write it? Near the end of his life. Yeah, he's looking back. It's very reflective, right? He most likely wrote Song of Solomon early on in his life, Proverbs somewhere in the middle in his midlife, and then Ecclesiastes at the end when he's reflecting back and he's looking at his life. And so it's a reflective book. Anyone know what part of literature, what genre that scholars put ecclesiastes in huh no well it has poetry in it but it's actually not poetry literature it has some in it it has some problems with it so, wisdom john wisdom yeah what's that you, wisdom you got some or i No. we question all right wisdom right it's part of the wisdom literature Right? And so it's in that, that genre. So it helps us when we, we look at it and understand it and we read it. And throughout it, it has different parts. It has, today's is going to be more read like a Proverbs, although it's a little bit larger. But yet, even within the proverb, it has some poetry. And so it, it is kind of an interesting book. It's a collective as it's put together. It also can be hard to understand And I said this repeatedly last week, and unfortunately you'll probably can hear it again because it helps you in the context, but when Solomon says, under the sun, what does that really mean in the world, humanistically speaking, right? As the world sees things, right, without God, with the absence of God, this is the way things are. And so that helps us understand. He does change it up a little bit here. It'll say under the heaven today. We'll see that part in this scripture as well. Same meaning, again, same thing, but it's meaningless. And he talks about that over and over again, that things are meaningless, humanistically speaking, if we just look at it from that one dynamic. And so that was kind of what we did last week in chapter 1. So if you weren't here, now you're up to speed. You're right with us as we start chapter 2. Chapter 2 starts out very interestingly in verse 1. It says, I said to myself, I said to myself. Does anyone ever talk to themselves? goes with that, right? So, right. So, I, I knew someone knew that joke that goes with that, right? Sometimes John says, sometimes I need expert advice, right? Especially when he's talking with me. So wait a minute, I need to talk to myself and straighten that out. So, right? I said to myself, right? Solomon says to himself, "Come, now I will test you with pleasure to find out what is good." but also proved to be this also proved to be meaningless. Laughter, I said, is madness. And what does pleasure accomplish? I tried cheering myself with wine and embracing folly. My mind still guided me with wisdom. See what I mean about the the, the contrast here? It's almost proverbial in the way that he says it, right? He says, I tried to please myself. I I pleasured myself in every way. I even indulged in alcohol or wine, right? He drank wine. And he says, even with all that, it was madness. It was meaningless, right? Think about it. If you do something great, you you just came back from a wonderful vacation, Right? You probably would like to go on another one, right? And you're thinking about the next one, right? Or if we eat something really good, right? Hot fudge Sunday. Maybe not today, but maybe, right? You eat something good though. How long does that last? Pleasure, not very long, right? I want another one or I want something better, right? Pleasures that, that pleasure are, are not bad in and of themselves, but they don't last, right? I keep reminding PJ that even though I have a good meal, I need three of those every day. One doesn't quite cut it, and she says, well, if you eat your veggies, you won't need to, and conversation goes on from there, so um, I make my own. Um, But even laughter, right? Someone makes you laugh. You're laughing this morning, right? It only lasts a little while. Everything is temporal in those things, right? It says meaningless, but yet wisdom, my mind still guided me with wisdom. I wanted to see what was good for people to do, again, under the heavens or under the sun during the few days of their lives. Solomon does recognize here, and he recognizes that we as humans, in case you didn't know that, are only here for a very short time. How's that for some encouraging news, right? We're born, we live, we die. There we go. Great message, right? And feel encouraged by that this morning. There's an end, there's an expiration date on all of us. And some of us are either on the front nine or the back nine. And that's, that's how it goes. Um, I'm on the back nine, in case you were wondering. But it's part of that life. God is important. So it's a short amount of time. And so what we do with that time to God is important. But again, humanistically speaking, what we do with that time may not be, right? We see people waste time all the time. We see people waste lives, right? Waste the abilities or things that they've been given. Wasting time. There's another whole message in there about wasting time, whether it's on our phones and computers, watching the Vikings, watching the Patriots, maybe even watching the Browns. Sorry, Joe. Too Too soon, too soon. All right. All right, too soon. At least you were one step ahead of the rest of us. So take that. Briefly as it was. So but things are brief, right? Life is brief. We only have a certain amount of time. We're all given the same in a day, 24 hours, but what we do with that can be brief. But it's also important. Verse 4: It says, I undertook great projects, I built houses for myself and planted vineyards. and a harem as well. The delights of a man's heart. Now, and some scholars look at this and they say, well, Solomon's boasting here a little bit, but if you look at his life through history's lens, this is all true. Solomon amassed great wealth. He had palaces that were connected on top of palaces, and he had, large, he had a large harem. He had many wives. He had a lot of gold and silver because people would give Money to him for him to make a ruling you would bring. They would come to him for wisdom. They would come to him for knowledge. And in that, when you go to a king, you would bring a gift that was expected, right? Payment for getting that advice. And so there was a lot of that given. And Solomon had it all, right? Humanistically speaking. Physically speaking, he was well taken care of. Again, keeping the sermon PG, but the harem even talks about the men's delights in those areas as well. He had no lack of ladies in his life. Everything. Yet, humanistically speaking, it meant nothing. Verse 9. I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. In all this, my wisdom stayed with me. Again, if you read it just really kind of easy or over the surface, you think that, all right, wisdom is the key here, right? Wisdom is is the goal, right? And certainly there is part of that. Gaining wisdom is important and certainly can be helpful, but it's not the end game, right? Wisdom is just a part of it, and Solomon had an abundance of it. Wisdom stays with you, though, longer than some of those things, right? You gain wisdom, you, you have that education, right? Many of you go on to school, and we, and again, there's certainly importance to that. That stays with us. We can use that later on, hopefully. It stays up there in the mind. That's the, the goal, and as I'm getting older, sometimes even that's fading, and that gets a little bit I have to go back and refresh. But wisdom stayed with Solomon, Yet all those other things were meaningless. Verse 10. says, I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labor, and this was the reward for all my toll. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, Everything was meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. Those last couple of verses were actually put to poetry. We were talking about poetry language. That's how that's written here in our our Bibles, but it was also part of that. It would be meant to be done all in in one verse. It's kind of a summary of what he just said, right? But he's looking back on and he's saying, I did all these things... Yet everything is meaningless. The chasing after the wind is a a reference that he uses quite often, right? It, It can't really be grass. It's not really satisfying, is the thought here. Some scholars even call it, it's like trying to grab smoke and try to hold it in your hands, right? And as soon as you open your hands, it's not there anymore. Or the mist, it's only there for a short time. And yet he says, nothing under the sun was gained all those things, right? The interesting part is Solomon did all those things in his reign. And one of the, the, the underlining factors here is a lot of the things that he did, he did for the next generation. He did for his son, but it, right? How many of you have seen this happen, right? And maybe, maybe you haven't, but it, you most likely have. Father works all his life. He builds up a company. He hands it over to son, and son runs the business into the ground, See, that happens often, right? It's not the same. Or when, when kids are given something, that first car, if you give them a car, they don't tend to take care of it as much as if they earn it themselves. There's that natural tendency that happens. Now, I'm not telling you that you shouldn't pass things on to your kids. Rachel's not here, so I'm probably pretty safe. But she may get nothing, you know. Dad may get a new bass boat, and maybe Ernie will have my truck if he really wants it. But... Uh. You that know my truck, and are saying, well, that's not much. But. but passing something on, right, is something that us parents like to do. And, and we think that it's going to be beneficial, but it doesn't always work out that way. Or our kids don't view it the same way. They don't take care of it or they don't value it. And Solomon's no different. He's the dad that wants to. And again, sadly, when you look at Solomon's history and you look back at his son's, His sons were train wrecks. There's no other way to put it. His sons ended up dividing the kingdom. They ended up trying to be like their dad and overtax the people, and the people revolted. And the nation of Israel was divided and never was restored to the same point that it was at Solomon's time. Solomon had a peaceful reign. He had 40 years of straight peace. No real enemies, no real threats. Things were relatively good during his reign. But after that, we see a cycle of, yeah. And actually some tragedy along that from his sons and their sons after that. So the inheritance doesn't carry over very well. They run the nation into the ground. And so you can see as Solomon's reflecting back on this, he's like, man, this is not working out. This is not working out the way that I thought. But look in this next section. Like I said, first section is almost like a proverb. It's the the negative. Here's a little bit more of the positive, if I can say that. And at the very end, we'll see the the key to understanding this whole section. Verse 12, says, "'And I turn my thoughts to consider wisdom, and also madness and folly. What more can the king's successor do than what has already been done? I saw that wisdom is better than folly, just as light is better than darkness.'" The wise have eyes in their heads, while the fools walk in darkness. But I came to realize that the same fate overtakes them both. Again, if you just stop there, you're saying, well, all right, he's saying wisdom is good and there's some benefit, but at the end, they both have the same fate, right? Humanistically speaking, they both end up in the same area, they end up in the same place. They take different paths in getting there, but at the end, both end up in the grave, is really what he's saying. True. But the path of wisdom is easier than the path of fools. And just a note here the Bible warns us about calling anyone a fool. And so I am not going to do that at any point in time because I don't want to go against that. But again, we tend to do foolish things. And if we do them long enough, we could be called a fool. But it's a that's a, the reference here to fools. It's not just a one thing that I did something foolish. But it's a continuation in that that determines a fool. And Solomon says it's better to be wise. Right? You have eyes to see. You avoid some of the pitfalls by being wise. Verse fifteen. He says, "Then I said to myself, the fate of the fool will overtake me also. What then do I gain by being wise?" I said to myself, this too is meaningless, for the wise and the fool will not be long remembered. The days have already come when both have been forgotten. Like the fool, the wise must die. Like I said, in the end, they end up in the same place, right? And remembering each can be the same. Verse 17 says, so I hated life. Remember, this is Solomon, right? Remember, he's He's talking to himself, and this is where he's come up to his conclusion, or from this moment of going back and forth. He says, so I hated life, because the work that is done under the sun was grievous to me. All of it is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Who likes to do something that has no meaning? (laughs) Once in a while, yeah? Yeah, well, I mean, once in a while, maybe for rest, but even, has, even that has a meaning, right? But really, if we work at something we like to accomplish, we like to see something for it. I mean, if you go to a job, you at least expect to get a paycheck, right? You, that's kind of the hope, that, that you get something for it, right? right? You don't do it for nothing. And, but even a, a project or something that gets to be done, it, you're looking for something, To look back, though, and say that it's all meaningless would be disheartening at best. You can see where Solomon's wrestling with this, and he's probably going through bits of despair and discouragement. Yet he's the wisest man. Kind of gives us hope, too. Right? We have those same struggles. Sometimes we wonder why we do what we do, or we reflect back on that, and we go, man, this is not making sense. Again, if we keep it under that lens of meaningless, under the sun, because of no God, right? Humanistically speaking, it's a big difference. Look at the, verse 18. He even gets a little bit stronger. He says, I hated. Hate's a strong word, even in the, even in the scriptures. It's something that it's not used often, but it's a, it's a strong word here. It's not just a dislike or a minor thing. It's I hated. I hated all the things I had toiled under the sun. Because I must have learned them, Leave them, um, because I must leave them to the one who comes after me. And who knows whether that person will be wise or foolish. Yet they will have control over all the fruit of my toil into which I have poured my effort and skill under the sun. This too is meaningless. Remember I, I said he had in mind, passing on to the next generation, to know how the kingdom is going to turn out. He doesn't know at this point. He doesn't know how his sons are going to turn out. He doesn't know how the kingdom is going to turn out. He doesn't even know how they're going to take care of the, the, the palace that he's built. All the things that he's amassed, how is it going to be taken care of afterwards? Right? If you've ever moved or sold a home, right, you, you put a lot of effort, a lot of work into what's going to do with it. You model it, you get ready, and then you sell it. You have no idea what the next owner is going to do with it. Right? They may run it into the ground. They may burn it down. They may tear it down, build something bigger, better, or... They may improve it even, but you don't know, right? Once you relinquish that control, it's no longer in your hands. And so Solomon's having this same struggle here, knowing that his life is winding down, his reign as king is winding down, and he's reflecting on what is next. What's going to happen after I leave? Again, he's struggled with this to the point where he hates it. He says, verse 20, he says, So my heart began to despair over all my toil. For a person may labor with wisdom, knowledge, and skill, and then they must leave all they own to another who has not toiled for it. This too is meaningless and a great misfortune. So the question asks, right? Verse 22, What do people get for all the toil and anxious striving with which they labor under the sun? Interesting here, he adds a word. Not only the work that comes, but even the anxious or the anxiety, right? The struggle. The struggle to not only maintain, but to improve, right? And again... Under that guise of humanly speaking, we watch people struggle with that all the time right they're They're striving to get to the next position they're they're striving to get a little bit more money to to be able to do something. maybe it's a a greater vacation or a newer vehicle, and they're they're working harder and harder, and with that comes anxiety, yet they don't quite get there, or maybe they get there and then they're on to the next thing and again, all of that can be discouraging it can be as though it's meaningless. But interesting, he adds the anxiety in there that comes with it, that chasing and chasing and chasing. And we see that, right? We see that in our world today. We see so many around us that are, are chasing after something, that, you know, whether it's uh, the great dream or the newest and latest thing, yet they're discouraged because they don't seem to ever get there, or they get there and then it's not what they wanted. They want something else. This, too, is meaningless. Verse 24, a person can do nothing better than eat and drink and find satisfaction in their own toil. This, too, I see, is from the hand of God. (sighs) Finally. It's taken us a while to get there, but Solomon mentions God. Not that God's been absent through all this, but that, again, this is the key to understanding. This, if we, from humanistic standing to understanding from God's perspective, right? That's not what God wants us to do. It's not meaningless to God, our lives. Our work is not meaningless. Our lives are not meaningless. Again, put God into that factor and it's of great value. Certainly, we know that, right? Today, we know that more than anything. We've known that Jesus came for us died on the cross for our sins and was raised again just for us. We are of great value to God. We, are mean, we have great meaning to God. And so that changes everything. And God wants us to enjoy our lives here. Don't miss that. That's what he's saying here. There is satisfaction with God. God, God can satisfy the moments. He can even be satisfying at work with our kids with our time, the things that we do can have great meaning because of God. It's the key to this and understanding this, this God changes everything in our lives. It makes a world of difference. Verse 25 says, For without him, who can can eat or find enjoyment? To the person who pleases God, God gives wisdom, knowledge, and happiness. But to the sinner, he gives a task of gathering and storing up wealth to hand it over to the one who pleases God. This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. See the difference that God makes, right? It took us a long time to get there, but God makes all the difference in the world. When we're doing things for God and we're operating under that as believers, there's happiness, there's joy. There's purpose in what we do, and there's also wisdom, right? God freely gives it. It says that in James, if we ask for wisdom, he gives it to us. Right, Jesse? I think it's in James. Okay, just checking. I know he's teaching James right now, and so I figured I would check with that, but right? God wants us to have meaning and purpose, and that's where the hope comes from. here, it's not meaningless in what we do. God changes that paradigm. In some ways, it should actually give us a great compassion for those around us. For those who are lost. They don't even know that they're lost, but they're, they're chasing after something they'll never obtain. They're chasing after something that, that never satisfies. I mean, I think about that. How sad is that in many ways? And I was on that same path before I knew Christ, right? Undoubtedly, you were as well. But if we look at it from the paradigm, all right, now as believers, I can enjoy life. I can enjoy what God's given me. I can take satisfaction in that today. So in that, if I flip it around, there's great hope. It's not meaningless, that it actually has great meaning. We'll get more into this as we go into the chapters ahead, as Solomon's going to drill down into different areas, and he's going to keep using this contrast. He's going to talk about philosophy. He's going to be talking about seasons and times in our lives. And so there's a lot that's yet to come. And again, as always, if you want, you don't have to wait for me. You can read ahead by all means. Please do. There's 12 chapters. Enjoy. But there's a lot there to... To glean from. And again, it helps when you understand the context and obviously it helps you understand which perspective we're looking at. It also shows the contrast between a believer and a non-believer and so that we can be thankful. Bow with me, please. Gracious Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your word that does encourage and give us hope. And Lord, that we do not do things that are meaningless. For you, if we follow you, Lord, have great purpose and meaning in our lives. We're not just chasing after the wind. Lord, I thank you for that. I thank you for our salvation. I thank you for the opportunity that we have to please you in our work, in our play, and in everything that we do. And Lord, I just thank you this morning. I thank you that we can come together as the body of Christ and that we can thank you and worship you this morning for all that you've done. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.